0: Hello and welcome back to me. It's Emma, I'm back to take control. Yay,
1: thank
2: God.
0: We like Len. Thanks guys. Uh, Now that I'm back in the land of the internet once again, hurrah, uh, I'm delighted to have the full Lovecraft Country Critical Gang with me today. Starting with the lovely Lucy. Hello. Gareth.
3: Hello. And Len. Hello. (laughs) Team, (laughs) team thing.
0: Everybody brilliant. is here to discuss Rehearsed episode, episode eight, Jigger Bobo, <laughs> Um which I'm very much looking forward to talking about. Uh, so now that I'm back to take control, uh, we'll be going to our usual structure of the podcast, starting with our overall thoughts on the episode and our blueberry schools, which I will explain very succinctly shortly, followed by a deep dive into the plot before we trot on over to Cthulhu corner possibly even some Lovecraft lounge and listener feedback before we say our goodbyes. Um, So first up, I want to get everybody's very to the point overall thoughts of episode eight and your Blueberry score. And the Blueberry system is thus. It is a scale of zero to five. Zero is the worst. Five is the best. And there can be no halves. Len, hit me with your thoughts.
3: Oh, I wasn't expecting you to... uh... Get to me first, but here we go. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the episode. Look, I think uh, I think the show's on a pretty good run since episode six, where they sort of had that palate cleanser of an episode um, over in in Korea. And I think this is the best episode where we sort of focused on the main storyline. You know, because if you take last week sort of away and episode six away, because I feel they're quite they're their own sort of thing. I kind of think that this episode, which encompasses so many different elements of the main storyline, was the most exciting. Um, It was the most horrific of the season. I also think, um, you know, Dee was amazing in this episode. Like, there's so many standout performances in, in, in singular episodes this season. And Dee's just added her name into the hat, as it were. Uh, for that because i thought she was really great it had that sort of jordan peel horror um the sort of stuff that we've seen in in, in his second horror film us but it centres around the real horror obviously the, the horrific murder of emmett till bobo which we've discussed uh, the references in earlier episodes and to see it uh, even though we didn't see it if you get what i mean in this episode was was very powerful um and then just other than that, like the character stuff between Montrose and Tick, Letty and Tick and Ruby and Christina slash William slash Wiltina slash whatever you want to call them. I thought it was very good. I thought I thought there was loads of good stuff in here. Lots to unpack. So I'm excited to talk about some of it with you guys and see what you think. But for me, it's a four blueberry episode.
0: Nice. Thank you, Len. And uh, very succinct and to the point. How unusual and yeah. delightful. Mm. Um, mm. Lucy, over to you. What were your thoughts on episode eight? Scary. Busy.
3: Good. Um, I thought that was
1: it. I thought that was the review. Buzzwords. Just buzzwords.
2: Confusing at times. Powerful. Four bloops. There you go. Now there's <laughs> your succinct, that's <laughs> <to> the point. <laughs> mate that is spot
0: uh, on absolutely spot on yes. you've nailed it why are
3: you trying to one up me
0: <laughs> Gans, can you do any better um
1: i like this episode um the end i mean some of the d scenes are going to haunt me forever i think um and i'm looking forward to talking about them a bit more i think i'll treat that as a bit of therapy group therapy i think i think the horror was the best horror that um that we've seen personally um and it, uh, I, I think it was very Jordan Peele esque. I think that's that's absolutely spot on. But in addition to that, there was some uh, really good sort of character moments in terms of some of the conversations that were happening. Um, you know, the the one between w- Will Steiner and Ruby, really good conversation. Um, Dick and Montrose got uh, some of their development uh, with with some quality dialogue. Um, but then some parts of the episode were on the unnecessary side, uh, there's a, a very meta book situation that I'm sure we'll discuss. Mm. Um, mm. there's, uh, the, 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 scene with Christina at the end again, you know, without going into details, I just found it unnecessary and it's a, it's a thing that this show does. Um, it, it falls into the trap of being gratuitous or, um, Ultra violent, unnecessarily, in my opinion. Um, but overall, really good episode. I'm going to give it four blueberries. Thank you very much.
0: Mm, four across the board. Interesting. Um, I obviously haven't been here for a couple of weeks, and I think taking a step back has been really good for me with this show. Um, a lot of this really hit me in the feels. Um, you mentioned a few things there, guys, like Will Tina and Ruby montrose and tick um but this episode also scared the absolute shit out of me and i am a hundred percent never gonna sleep again ever ever again um and for both of those things i think this is the best episode of the season and i'm giving it five bloobs Ew! Oh God, she's Uge. back
2: she's back
3: crazy school back
0: let that sink in team <laughs> let that sink in um interesting yeah i interesting. think
3: it is a good episode it is a good episode. Yeah. Five. Five is not a, a, a mad score at all. I think. Uh, I think it's good. I think it's a very good episode. So I, I. I respect your decision, Emma. I respect. Don't
2: it. worry, Emma. Len agrees with yeah. you and is allowing you to have that. Thank oh, God. So that's Thank fine. The
0: Lord. I won't edit you out. I won't.
3: I won't Don't, edit you no. out. That's how you bad can't
0: edit today. me out. I'm the bloody host.
1: The <laughs> <a> bizarre podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just no, Emma. Nothing. Mm um no I mean fours are good scores and I think for me just having seen the last I watched episode six and seven yesterday um I watched episode eight today and I think watching them all on the back of each other this then really brought everything back together for me so yeah excellent but before we dive into a very very full plot I am gonna hand over to Len for a little advert break
3: Hello, yes, quick advert here at Lovecraft Country Critical. That's right, Lovecraft Country Critical. If you are listening to this podcast on that specific channel, please do subscribe. We would very much like your subscription. We hope you have enjoyed our coverage of the show so far. But to say, the show is obviously coming to an end very soon, in two weeks to be precise. And if you're thinking, how am I going to listen to these guys every week um, after this show? It's very easy. All you have to do is is search fan critical on any podcast app spotify TuneIn, stitcher you name it we're on there that's fan critical and on that channel we release everything that we talk about so we've done game of thrones we've covered the walking dead stranger things westworld castle rock any of the marvel movies we've even got our own series like the worst of netflix how the fuck have you not seen that there's loads on there. So just search Fan Critical and please do subscribe to that channel to listen to the top bants that we all deliver on a on a weekly basis. Yeah, we're here forever, guys. We've got 225 podcasts. Please do check it out, Fan Critical. And if you want to sponsor us further, please do go to patreon.com forward slash Fan Critical. And on there, you will see options to give us some uh, dollary dues some dollars monthly uh, and that helps towards operating costs don't worry you do get things for your money you get access to our discord server you get access to our caster episodes where we recast films with different actors uh, usually to hilarious results and you can even commission a podcast so that's patreon.com forward slash everyone who supports us we appreciate everything we appreciate reviews we appreciate subscriptions and any financial support so thank you everyone for listening and back to emma in the studio.
0: So, we open up the episode uh, with a very large crowd in the street, police uh, everywhere and we eventually zoom in on uh, a distraught looking Diana um, and a preacher talking about being angry um, but, you know, fighting with the law rather than Going back, um, and there's some interesting moments here. But essentially, the sum is that we're at the funeral wake of Emmett Till, aka Bobo. Um, it's a very challenging open, I think. You know, there's certain things that happen here, like Diana saying, "What's that smell?" and Ruby responding, "It's the hottest day of the year." And um, one of the things that we know about the tragic story of Emmett Till is that his mother displayed his body to show what had been done to him so clearly without being too grim that's what what that's all about um but diana goes missing from the crowd and everybody splits off to find her i mean gaz what did you feel about this opening to the episode i
1: I thought it was a very it was a very overwhelming start um it was it felt like there was a lot going on there there were a lot of sounds there was a lot of um sort of confusion and I think I'm I'm guessing that was very deliberate um and it uh, I, yeah I found it very disorienting to to begin with um and I mean it was interesting that uh, you know at at that point they all of the the adult characters seem very concerned about where uh, where d is and then sort of they all sort of almost forget like they get, they've got other things to get on yeah. in this episode. And, but yeah, just that, that sense of
3: being mm. overwhelmed was, it was a bit much to, to start the episode. I think for Dee, it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit of a, she's had a very rough time of it recently, obviously losing George, uh, her father, losing now Bobo and her mum. She knows that like Hippolyte has disappeared. Something's not right. Where is she? She's got no, real parental figures to lean on I mean I know she has those other characters around her but they seem very preoccupied with their own
0: situation
3: yeah. and, and to be honest with you although they're saying oh hey Dee shouldn't be here or whatever they're all thinking about what else is going on you know Tick's just been to an alternate timeline and thinks he's going to die in five days and you know, Letty's pregnant and got that going on. Ruby's changing into a white woman every five minutes and, you know, Montrose is trying to hide his homosexual relationship whilst also trying to protect his son. And it's just like they're all they're all saying, Oh yeah, D D D but internally they're actually and the way they're they're acting is like, Yeah, we we don't have time for this. Which is terrible. Um and it's not their fault. There's just a lot going on. Um and I feel sorry for D because she literally feels so isolated in this episode, and that and that comes to a head as we go through it.
2: Did anyone else think it was weird that they used Banana Rama, Cruel Summer? Bit of a weird vibe. Yeah, kind of, almost it was a a weird up, vibe. not upbeat, but kind, a bit too kind upbeat. Of worked. But it maybe yeah it added to the disorienting, if that's a word, feeling mm. that you described, Gareth. I mean,
1: it, it's a song. It's a song that is kind of impossible to not sing along to. Um, mm. And this isn't... This <laughs> not isn't a is it? Singing. It's it's not a sing-along, <laughs> no. is it? It's not a sing is it? It's not a sing-along, <laughs> is
0: it? No. no. We hit the credits and then we return to D, and she's wandering down the street. She's looking in the window of the amusement arcade um, and the place is basically deserted. She's clearly really struggling to deal with her emotions and um, there are a couple of girls that come out of the arcade laughing and she starts throwing stones at them which is understandable um you know I don't I mean, think she knows quite how to manage it they've been in like? the arcade they just
1: stop being weird they're eating ice cream and just giggling at how her. do they not like, know what's happening? What's going on here? Yeah. it's pretty insensitive mm. I
0: mean the store next to the arcade is closed for Emmett it says on the sign which you know kind of tells you anything but before we can get any further with this um that wanker captain lancaster turns up doesn't he um mm. And I don't know why I'm laughing about this Because it's awful So he corners her in the alleyway And starts to interrogate her About where Hippolyta is And asking her like What do you know about magic? And Dee's response is like What you mean in like fantasy books? And while he's doing that His mates drawing some symbols on the floor um, And then the floor starts to like Vomit maggots out of the cracks in the paving Lancaster is chanting Then he spits then she can't mm. breathe, and then they kind of leave her in the alleyway, pretty traumatized. Lucy, um, how would you feel about maggots? Well,
2: we had a bit of a maggot discussion earlier, didn't we? When people don't collect your bins, you end up with maggots. So that's that on maggots. But um, yeah, it was it was really disturbing. <laughs> Missed that because... bit of the chat, did I? <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. Quality stuff.
3: Can we repeat it? Get it. Get it in this pod, please. Is that a patr it's a Patreon only, uh, snippet, that one. So sign up to <laughs> patreon.com forward slash fancritical. <laughs> Jesus
1: Christ. Um, You'll have access to our exclusive <laughs> bin
3: chat. <laughs> it's really good. It's really good
1: chat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a horrible
2: bit. Um so Again, yeah, magazine fan. But it's just it is a really creepy scene because you don't know what they're gonna do because this is the police in the fifties with a young black girl. Like we've seen that nobody really gives a fuck about like in authority, gives a fuck about what happened to Emmett Till. Um, So you don't know what's going to happen. And then what they actually do is really like really creepy and gross. Um, But I thought it was interesting that you said, you guys said at the beginning about no one's really listening to um, D and no one's really actually concerned about her. So it's quite ironic in a way that they do this spell. So she can't talk to anyone it's like, well, no one's really listening to her, so who's going to listen to her if, if she was to tell anyway?
0: Point. I mean, so this was really interesting for me because I know what happens to the equivalent character in the novel, um, which is similar, nowhere near as fucking creepy. I mean, Len, for you, it probably would have been the same thing. Um, how did you feel about the way they've adapted this for D?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is... It, it, I feel like this spell is... uh, I mean, first of all, I don't like Captain Lancaster in the show. I think he's just weird and... don't like him in the book either. He's a horrible character, but I mean, at least in the book he's a bit more nuanced. There's a bit more to him. In this, he just seems like a fucking idiot and a horrible, horrible man. Um, The spell stuff that they do to Horace in the book, I feel like it has more of a purpose. Like... Like in the show, it seems like they just go, "Oh, we should just killed her," because that's the way it goes at the end. Whereas with Horace in the book, there's more of a long game. They're trying to essentially find out what more about Hippolyta because they know she was at the observatory. She's back in the book, um, and you know, so they're trying to get to his mother in the storyline. Obviously, Horace is D in the uh, show, so it was. It's a horrible scene. Um, The spell with the restricting of actually saying anything is actually very well described in the book and I thought they did a pretty good job of it in the show too.
0: Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think I actually liked it better. I mean, I hated it. It was horrific, but I liked it better than what we had in the book with Horace. Um, Everyone's gone off to look for Diana. No one is looking in the right places. Um, We see Letty go back to the house to look for her and find GR sitting there. But before we get into that, Tick goes off ostensibly to look for Dee, um, but actually what he does is he meets Christina, or Will Tina, uh, she will henceforth be known, in a tomb, which is not the you know the most creepy place to meet anyone ever, um, and asks her to teach him how to cast a spell. What he actually does, instead of bringing her the pages, is he gives her the key from the orrery. I was so pleased. I was so, so pleased to hear Len saying that and thinking, that's how I sound. I don't sound like an idiot. And so Christina tells him that to cast a spell, you need not only... The incantation but you need energy intention and a body to upset the balance of nature without a disaster uh, so Christina shows a protection symbol and then says right I'm off to achieve immortality see ya Um, Gaz, bit of magical stuff here Um, creepy setting, how did you feel about the interaction and the speed at which I suppose this is moving now
1: so, I feel like I feel like Lucy might agree with me here. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not gonna give this as a, a criticism of the show, but I'm finding this magical element really bamboozling. Like I, I don't know what the point is. I get this sort of immortality thing, but then Christina seems to be criticizing her dad for trying to be immortal, but then she's trying to do the same thing. And I don't, I don't really remember what the orrery does and what the purpose of it is. And time I, machine. I'm just, I'm, I'm a little underwhelmed with this part of the storyline. Um, as I say, I don't necessarily mean that as a criticism of the show. It's probably a criticism of me as a viewer uh, and, I, and I haven't sort of focused on it properly. Um, so, so yeah, I, I this was a a weak, a weak part for me personally because of that. Um, I don't know. I, I I didn't find the tomb setting particularly. It was quite a cosy Yeah, it's nice. It's Very clean. If, uh, lovely in if, there. If ever, yeah. Well kept. If ever I was going to a tomb. No, ma- no maggots. No, no maggots No maggots, maggots to be seen. It's absolutely fine. Right. Maggot-free tomb. But
2: I did agree with you, Gaz. Yeah, I think the magic stuff. What annoys me and I think you see it hinders so many shows but when there's like rules and about how magic works and then a lack of rules and it's like sometimes they're so concerned about how all these like spells and incantations work and other times it's like it doesn't seem to matter at all and I think that can be quite frustrating and yeah I I agree like the use of magic in this in in what Christine is trying to achieve is a bit it just seems a bit irrelevant in context of say what Ruby's doing even, like, I can get that a bit more than what Christina wants.
0: I think it's a bit challenging, isn't it? Because it's been a bit rushed with Christina and a bit confusing. So it's hard to know if she really knows what she wants, I think. I
3: mean, what what does she want? Just immortality. I mean, it's muddled like, in the book, I think you get a, a grander sense of the fact that this is obviously Caleb Braithwaite but he's acting on his own volition but it's more you get more of a sense of the order like how fast it is how far it spans and and how this greater natural philosophy as they call it because they don't like calling it magic in the uh, book and I, I hate it every time that the show says magic I'm like oh that is lazy <clears throat> stop saying stop saying that please it's magic Um, yeah it's just magic isn't it um, and I think in the book you get a better sense of that like you get a sense that there's a bigger world out there and in the show obviously you get that but because we've just got christina slash William slash wiltina as now our main focal point for the sort of magic um it it it, it kind of loses a bit of that sort of mystery to this to, to the to that element of the show i think
0: i think because they wrapped up um the original natural philosophy magic storyline with the Tina storyline which i like has made it's almost diluted it a bit so neither part of it makes quite as much sense as it would have done if it was just one or the other um i'll well, take
1: it i'll take it back then i do mean it as a criticism of the show yeah oh,
0: it is it's valid <laughs> i validate you be guys. confident in your criticism yes it's um, not my fault. Well, look let's go back to Diana uh, who returns no home to find Montrose there. Um, yeah, I'm sorry Lucy, we've got to talk about it. We've got to talk about it. Um, she basically <laughs> bursts in you know bursts out and says you're lying to me. Um, you know she knows that Hippolyta is missing. If she knew about Bobo, she'd have come home um, and she locks herself in the bathroom puts on a baseball cap, turns on the radio to ignore Montrose as he starts telling her a, you know, a, a, a story that sounds like it, it could be quite emotive. Um, and then, obviously, uh, a book falls off a shelf um, and has a creepy, horrible face on it. So uh, when it starts sliding towards her, she escapes out but the window. the music impact. as
2: well. The um, music goes well creepy. It's like, I keep it knocking, was, let me knocking in, let me in, door. let me in. Someone's knocking at your door. Some birds. Does anyone else remember that song from the adverts? You're both in yeah, Australia. Yeah, I was going to put
3: the audio in, but I don't think I need to now. Yeah, <laughs> but um,
2: yeah, that, I hate it when that happens. In, I think it's such a creepy thing to use. Like the music suddenly starts to like go against you as well, and yeah, the imagery of the yeah book is really frightening as well. And then yeah, because you you see that we didn't mention it, did we? But the with the police officer with uh, Lancaster the uh, cream of wheat sign, the eyes move, don't they? And that's like the first sort of symbol of of what's to come. And I was wondering if it was going to be like, all the adverts are going to try and get her, but it was much worse than that.
3: Yeah. And I think, I think the book here is Uncle Tom's Cabin, which is like a a very famous text in terms of, you know, some people say it it, it sort of helped the American civil war in a way. Uh, It was a very important piece of literature um, and uh, the we'll, we'll talk more about the ap- sort of demons that she sees no, later on. No fine. We've um, covered them, um, that I think. mimic. That, covered them. It's fine. Mm. That mimic. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about That, it. that mimic, that mimic uh, the. Um, okay, cool. <laughs> right, I'll stop talking. <laughs> no, around. joking. I'm sure
1: we will. Yeah, as you say, we'll talk about it a little bit more as we go. But yeah, it's important to kind of recognize that um, this book. As you say, Len, it sort of it it was credited with being a a major help in the, the abolitionist cause um, when mm. it came out. Um, mm-hmm. But since then, it sort of the the book has been kind of subject to like corruption, and yeah, um, it it led to the like I was reading up on it. It led to the the popularization of a lot of pretty terrible um, stereotypes about black people. So I, I think that's kind of a that's a really interesting way of dealing with that like the book itself is being corrupted there and yeah in that's very true um just like time corrupted it
2: well uncle tom is a um is like a not a slur but it's like a derogatory nickname now for like a black person that's kind of a stereotype that that's like favorable to white people so that was a really good use of that book
0: Ruby now turns up at Will Tina's house and uh, some really rude dude outside is uh, is saying like, are you the maid? And William turns up. Um, There's what I thought was quite a tender look between them, um, which then, you know, you look at Ruby's in tears. She's having a rough time. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on. It's been a difficult day. Um, Will Tina runs her a bath undresses her, washes her in the tub before kissing her, which Ruby doesn't really seem to be up for, which is understandable considering the day she's had. Um, So instead she takes the potion, um, clearly wanting to be away from herself before she can be with Wiltina. And then they do the deed. And um, what I did think was slightly grim about this, because I really liked the two of them together, was her changing mid Quitus, which was was grim but also weirdly powerful and like emotive like it was visually grim
3: there's a lot to talk about here because it's like what the fuck is going on like who is telling the truth and what they're saying um ov- obviously grief does um uh, is is a very powerful emotion it does makes people do crazy things like like the idea that she's just seen Bobo and and Emmett and and then gone to have sex with a with a white guy after um after seeing that is bizarre to to think like what is she doing and then also to do it as as a white woman and Mm. then her excuse feels very and I think it gets called out by Christina afterwards saying no you just wanted to say you can do what the fuck you want And that's a very challenging thing to see. It's a very challenging thing for, I I guess, a lot of viewers to accept as well. And, uh, but in terms of the visceral nature of the scene and and just the way it looks, wow. I mean, fucking hell. Uh, The special effects on show in this scene are out of this world good. Out of this world good. Like, that is impressive what they did here i mean from a technical standpoint the scene is is beautiful it's horror that is beautiful in a way um and the use of the music as well is fantastic i I don't know just everything about this scene was like just i couldn't take my eyes off of it and um for, for for bad reasons in terms of narratively and for very good reasons in terms of just how incredible the scene looked um so i loved it i loved it i thought it was a great scene
1: I thought the the thought of changing those bed sheets afterwards be oh, absolutely yeah.
3: horrendous. <laughs> I've you know I have thought this like multiple times, like you know their transformations and how gory it is. It's like the the amount the amount of cleaning yeah. that must have to go it's on. Clean up operations. Well, I mean, it's insane. They're silk
0: sheets. They're never using them again. They're they're just they're gone. Mm, they're dead. ruined. Yeah, carry yeah, some wet
3: totally wipes done. with
0: you. <laughs> yeah, might help. I do Bin you know what? the thing I really liked about this scene or kind of series of scenes and, and actually the whole of the Ruby Will Tina stuff, um, was how much I started to feel like Ruby has genuine feelings towards Will Tina. And that mm. it was interesting to see that after what she had to deal with, you know, earlier never mind finding D, you know, not important. Um the it. person that she ran to was Will Tina. Like that mm. it, for me really made a point i think um, it goes both ways and I thought it was really well. interesting
2: i think that um will tina's feelings for ruby it's more than just trying to get to letty and tick i think there's something more there um and there are some quite confronting scenes like you've said between them um and when ruby says about how tired she is of having to basically inhabit the world as a black woman and the injustices that she has to witness.
3: I found that scene. I felt like she was talking to the audience, not Christina. Yes. To be completely, to be completely honest with you, that felt to me like a very. Um, Did it feel like passion. she
0: was talking to you? Like, I felt like she was yeah, talking to me. Yeah, I felt, it I felt like she was, it was to quite to me. Rude. Like,
3: saying, I want you to feel... I want you to feel how I feel, but you never... I know you never can. And I was like, oh, shit, I feel like they're talking to me here. And I guess that's intent... I guess that's completely intentional. At the same time, just to talk about Christina, um, you know, she's getting into bed with the devil here, Ruby. I mean... I don't believe Christina for a second, to be honest with you. Um, there may be something in there, but I think that's—I don't know. I just think that's the show trying to say, "Oh, they, she might like her," but I—I I, I honestly think <laughs> she's a very, she's a very Ooh, sort of uh, well, like they won't selfish character. <laughs> Well, you I, don't know, she I,
0: might she like might her. She might like her. That's what I'm getting <laughs> from <her. laughs> I don't, I don't know, I don't know about that. Um, do you know what, why don't, why don't we talk about that scene actually now? I know it's sort of jumping around the plot, but it feels like the right moment. Um, So Ruby comes out and Will Tina's now Christina. She got that blood out pretty quick. Um, Lawless, And <laughs> she looks amazing, like genuinely amazing. Wow. Her wardrobe in this show yes. is stunning. Anyway, um, so Ruby starts telling her about like what happened to Bobo. Christina says she knows, and she knows everything. She knows the names. She knows what's happened. And she essentially, you know, Ruby says, "Well, do you even care?" And she essentially says, "No, I don't." And what the things like so Lucy, you mentioned this. Ruby starts to say, "I want you to feel what I feel: I feel heartbroken, scared, furious, tired, alone, and shameful because you'll never understand." And she wants her to feel guilt. And I felt that so hard as a viewer of this show. I I felt like, you know, and you're right, and even the styling of the shot. So you had Ruby talking to Christina and we, all we could see was the back of Christina's head and it felt like she was just saying it to every single viewer in front it of was the a very you know, who's watching it, the show. It was a very
2: powerful performance. Um, and I think it's true. Like if you think every time, like every couple of weeks, there's there's a news of another brutal murder of, you know, a black person in America, usually by the hands of the police and we, we I'm sure we all feel like horrified by it, but then it passes and then you have the next one. But to be like a black person in America or anywhere, I guess it must just be so tiring. Like you're constantly confronted with sort of the evidence of your place in the world like that. And it, it was a really powerful moment. I didn't feel like I was being preached to because it did fit in with the show. And I remember like, this is what I was saying about Christina's privilege. And we got a bit of feedback that kind of took it, didn't agree with me when I had said that, but I think this kind of is evidence of that, you know. Ruby's going through all of this and she says it to a, another woman and she's like, oh, I don't care. And she can also use her privilege to turn into a man. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I was talking about when I said about how Christina's privilege means I don't feel sorry for yeah, her. Yeah,
0: I th- I, you know, I agree with you, Lucy, actually. um, You know, I say that from a, a, a white woman's perspective, but I do, I, I think you're right. And, I, you know, one of the things that Christina says is that... Um, Like I don't care I don't think you care either really Um, I think actually you just wanted to hide From the fact that you are a woman Who wants what she wants Well let's move on to something That none of us like shall we Um, So slight bit of jumping around in the plot here Listeners don't worry I have not missed anything We will come back to it Um, So Diana is out around town She's at a subway station Train station And um, it's a bit crowded on the platform and she can see some kid dancing backwards up the stairs to the platform, which you know seems totally normal. No one's reacting. Um, it's not acceptable. Actually, and it not acceptable. turns out it 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 turns out to be some hideous devil child and her mate dancing like absolute, like just horrific absolutely horrific and throughout this whole scene all i kept thinking is nobody can see them but we fucking can i'm never gonna get that out of my head this was utterly terrifying like I think this, this scene gas oh,
1: sorry the this scene in particular uh the train station one is gonna live yeah with me this
0: is the
2: worst one forever the worst one um I feel a bit it's sick the backwards the, bit
1: yeah the, every single part of it is <laughs> <laughs> the backwards bit is terrifying, yes, but let's not let's not minimise the the impact of her popping out from behind her, her mate with a terrifying
2: or just face. Bend, it, bending it, over backwards,
1: or bending over backwards, yeah. and, and the, the dancing the sound, and the
0: and the nails.
1: The, the sound design there is unbelievable. It's so good. The, there's a like a noise that's made when the the second one bends over backwards, and the noise just sort of goes like. <laughs> and that sound it's like it's like i, I don't know what it, it does but it's like it just sounds like something's gone wrong and it's just that is exactly it's exactly right it's like, been this made is very by
2: someone who understands horror and who understands how to get under your skin because i can't really explain why this was so affecting i'm so hor- horrific obviously everyone's scared of creepy kids but it's something about the movement it's something about how you can't really see them. and then
0: you're like oh, did i just see that and then they slowly come and, like it's that kind of there's stilted movement ugh, jerky and they're kind of in the periphery yeah. of your vision but they're Un- right unnatural. there at the same you're time like, did i see that
2: and oh i did see that
0: oh they're coming closer
2: backwards oh
0: and i think also the impact of everybody else not reacting which how could you do how could you do that it, it is you you feel like d you feel i mean i'm this is part of the reason why this for me is a five blueberry episode, because I will never, ever, ever forget that. It scared the absolute pants out of me. It's very
3: Jordan. It's very Jordan Peele. It's very yeah. uh, us. It's the tethered out of us, basically. It's like the sort of, you know, if you ever seen if you haven't seen us, go watch it and you'll, you'll get what we're talking Done quite about. Quite a big spoiler um, there. So. But this is... um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, you, you say it's a spoiler, but that film that film goes to some weird places, man. Like you don't know what's going on in that film. I don't want um, to. Um so this is um i will doing a bit of reading. So they they're basically picking right? These these sort of caricatures Yeah, caricatures. um a, a sort of a racial caricature so, if you get what so unpleasant I mean. So pleasant
0: history
1: of Again, that 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 idea is is a corruption
3: of the characters in Exactly, Um, exactly. Uncle Tom's cabin, yeah. Yeah. It's Mm.
0: an appropriation, isn't it?
3: Yeah. And the description here is, uh, I I was able to find, is Pekingese had bulging eyes, unkempt hair, red lips, and wide mouths in which they stuffed huge slices of watermelon. So, Mm. uh, yeah, that was the description. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it's, like you said, Gaz, corruption of Uncle Tom's cabin, which he saw in the bathroom and now is literally... um, now into a living this nightmare. Us like tethered demon that is now chasing her. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I've got some stuff in Cthulhu Corner in terms of other horror films as well, so we could talk about that later.
2: Also the music pinning that then. Scary music. Let us in, yeah. let
3: be in, let us in. Always putting yeah. sort of old timey music with stuff. It's like when you used to watch um, you know, Insidious and it goes, What's that? bitch <laughs> <laughs> around the No, no, no. Stop, <laughs>
0: stop. So I can't do I can't do that. I can't hand We've got to move on. I'm sorry.
1: And um, just, just quickly as well, the the characters are credited as as Topsy and I think it's Bopsy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Topsy, Topsy and Bopsy. Topsy is is one of the characters in uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin. Um, she's a like a slave girl, um, and I th- I think from sort of trying to connect the dots from the the reading that I did, I, th- I think it's that character. Topsy was then sort of extrapolated and corrupted into a, a piccaninny sort of... That's where it came from.
0: Um, well, from two demons to another kind of demon. So Tick arrives back at Letty's house and sees a pair of shoes outside the front door, uh, which he obviously has correctly guessed belonged to G R. Um He comes in, this is in two scenes, but we're going to do it in one. He comes in to find her and Letty sitting at the table together in silence. And this feels ominous, let's be honest. So, um, GR's explaining that she's, uh, Kumiho? Kumiho. 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 Um, And how that basically works, being a soul-eating, sexy, foxy demon, um... Tick basically just wants to know how and when he's going to die, but she doesn't really have answers. Um, Letty is clearly particularly unhappy about this. Um, And after she storms out, Tick tells GR that what they had wasn't real and he's not dying before storming (laughs) off. Not dying. Um, I mean...
2: So write that that down. not not dying.
0: Yeah? Lucy, how did you feel about bringing sort of the story of episode six plus the flashback that we had into our current storyline. How did it work for you? It did
2: not work for me. You may remember in my six word review at the beginning, I said busy. This is, this is an example of busyness. We don't need to see Gia going. Yeah, actually what it is, is I've got nine tails and, um, yeah, they go into the man and when they climax, I can see his past and I take his soul. Wait, why are you here? Why? And you can't give him any information about how he dies literally why are you here you've traveled from South Korea how did you get out like it's just it's it is unnecessary
3: I felt yeah I felt this is the weakest part of the episode It's it's un, it was underwhelming GR's return was just underwhelming um, and I think I think that's a shame because I know she's awesome and we love that character and we absolutely raved about that episode but I'm hoping that she obviously has a bigger role to play in the end but I just felt this scene was a bit random It was a bit like. Do you feel like she
0: was just brought in as a narrative, like a narrative tool to get to the fight between Letty and Tim? Didn't need it for them for them to then reunite at the end.
1: That could have been done over anything. Yeah, Montrose Uh, again. You could have, have, yeah, any anything. I I mean, I totally agree with uh, with Lucy and Len, but um, but I think the reason that she's there is for future purposes she's going yeah to be, exactly she's going to be used
2: i hope
3: so because she's the tails she's good use
1: the tails <laughs> <Yeah>. for good <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> redeem yourself
0: tails yeah. assemble <laughs> yeah that'd be good so we move on there's some kids playing jump broken street
3: yeah diana
0: <laughs> letty seems to give no shits whatsoever about diana yep. Again. Uh, creepy girls appear again and she finds woody horrible scene moving on uh yeah. scene i loved so montrose is drinking on the street when tick walks past um basically all tick says is did you cheat on my mum um but montrose then explains you know I've, i always had desires but i never acted on them until after she was gone and actually they end up having what i think is a really powerful conversation um where Montreux says, you know, he chose life over an asylum or jail or death by being openly gay. And Tick tells him that Lessie's pregnant. And, oh, here, there we go. Uh, So he went to the future and uh, he found a book written by George Freeman and George Freeman is his son. Yeah, what
2: it is, is uh... a... While I was away, all this, all is, this stuff happened off screen. And this book, oh yeah, this, this is my son, actually. Yeah, I didn't mention that, did it? Yeah, the book I've been carrying around all this time, that's actually my son. And I've forgiven you for everything you've done. And let's have a conversation normally. It's just, it's again, a bit rushed.
0: If we could take this in two, in two parts, and Len, you're about to do that, is the, the stuff between Montrose and Tick is brilliant i mean let's talk about that and then we'll come back to the time travel book
3: Mm. the stuff between those two is great i am very happy that they're sort of reconciling in a way even though we know that montrose has done some terrible things and there's no excusing what he's done um and there's still secrets (laughs) between them it was good it was good (laughs) to have Uh, well yeah it's because i just feel like we have to say that he's a dick but um you know it's good that they're sort of finally telling each other some secrets even if it is future alternate earth timeline book written by sun who now he knows he has um but the book thing i just i just want to comment on the book thing because obviously me and emma have read the book and when they said this i was just like are you come on that's taking a the too... fucking piss it's a bit too it's a bit too it's a bit too meta for me i mean it's like it's like come on Come on, I know what you're doing, but it's unelegant and it's also just a bit. It's just, it's just lazy. I found, I found it a bit lazy. I mean, yes, they highlight the changes in the book. D is a boy called Horace, correct? Uh, Christina is is Caleb. Well, they've correct. just stolen
0: Cthulhu Corner.
3: <laughs> they've stolen I mean, Cthulhu Corner. They've ruined Cthulhu Corner. Um, I will say that, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. I didn't uh, like it.
1: I mean, cheap. Yeah, it's cheap. <clears throat> i don't know if it's like i don't know if lazy is the right word len because it's also it's also pointless <laughs> i mean i'm sure <clears throat> i'm sure maybe it will mean something in a bit but at the moment it feels really pointless and it's like hey look how clever we are being meta and i, I don't understand there's nothing there's nothing added by this and then he's like well the only differences are that um george survives arden and yeah. uh and d is a boy called horace and christina is also a man um
3: imagine that like, like, why you, I can tell, why are you doing can, this is it in the book as well for, I, I can tell you for free the the ending is wrong so i tell well you i was going to say
0: So the only other things we find out about the book is that, um, well, for a start, Tick says he jumped through and that he was shoved back through the portal by a woman with a robotic arm um, Mm. with the book. Um, The other thing it says is that in the end, Christina sacrifices Tick to become immortal. And this is the narrative structure that allows Montrose to say, I will sacrifice myself with the intention of saving you and my grandson, Um, and that's kind of that's where it moves us on but I, I agree I think it's pointless
3: all I will say is just quickly is the only way it can sort of work in my head is obviously we talked about last week being like quantum leap and going through different alternate earths and stuff and there is a part of me that does quite like the idea that we are in an alternate earth of the show I don't know. No. There's no no, but in my head there that 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 that's that an interesting an interesting question. But I don't think that's what they've gone for. I think that's do just you know me trying that, to make something. Do you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of that episode of the Simpsons
1: when like Homer goes Homer 3D. Homer 3D. N- <laughs> yeah.
0: That's not that's not your trick. Gaz. that's yeah. Lucy's laugh. Yeah, well, it yeah,
1: it's reminds
3: it's me
0: Lucy. of that
1: episode of the Simpsons corner. where he goes
0: back in time and changes
2: everything.
1: <laughs> and all that Well,
0: it's, is restored. it's the multi it's the multiple worlds theory, which I like as a theory, um, but it's just not executed. Well, it's not a theory, it's, cause it's It's, it's true, not explained. So it's not a theory. Um, well, let's, let's switch back to Letty. So after her fight with Tick, she goes to church. She's praying. Um, she talks about how this magic is haunting and testing them like the devil. Um, and she basically prays and, and begs God to protect Tick, not let him die. Uh, and then Tina turns up. Uh, they have a chat about some miracles, magic, heaven, hell. Letty gives us negatives and they eventually strike a bargain. Um, Letty's asked for her to make Atticus, Atticus, to make Dick uh, invulnerable. And Will Tina says no and then like smashes the mark of Cain on Letty's stomach. At which point I then wrote, I've no idea what's going on here. Clearly this becomes obvious later. Um, Lucy, what did you think of the two of them together? Because we haven't seen them interact since... Christina turned up on the doorstep, and Letty was having none of it. Serious question:
2: How tall is Christina? Because at one point it actually was scary how much taller she was than Letty; like it looked a bit frightening. She was like looming over. It didn't over look normal, did it? In the um the aisle, um, yeah, it was a it was an alright scene. I didn't get much from it, and yeah, like the mark of Cain, I was I was quite like, what, what if, why? It's like, can you do this? No, but I will do this. It's like, well, I didn't ask for that, did I? Um, but it actually leads to something pretty cool, so I will allow that.
0: But yeah, she's extremely tall. That's my takeaway. Yeah, <laughs> lads, that was one of my biggest takeaways was the height of Christina. Scary. Um, then what you can uh,
3: She can't give the mark of Cain to. Atticus because she wants to kill Atticus so she had to sort of spin this in a way that's like oh I'll protect you and your baby instead you know kind of thing that
0: does make more sense it just wasn't very clear thank you Mm. for explaining then no worries um unlike anybody else we care about Diana so let's find out where she is um she's been watching the cops uh following captain Lancaster and now she's turned up in the office and basically gone is my mum dead and why did you spit on my forehead you weirdo <laughs> um, can you get questions. rid of it is it and i've Answer got to those say, questions <laughs> she, in that order please she has got balls of steel yeah, and i loved love it. Her. um lancaster says like you know i can remove the spell if you bring me the orrery um and diana is having none of that so she she then leaves, um, and there is a speech, song, something running over this. Gaz, did you look it up?
3: Oh, the, the speech. It's from two thousand eighteen, I think, yeah. isn't it? Um, I can't remember who it, who it is, but it is two thousand eighteen. It's a recent speech. It's uh, the young lady talking about how black girls are are forgotten, um, and they
0: should have a name.
3: And they, should, yeah, it, it was. It's it's a thing that the show has done on a regular basis, which is to use these uh, very historical speeches, moments over um, important scenes. And as we've said, we've mentioned this several times. Most of the time, I think it's worked pretty effectively. Uh, and I thought this was good. I had no yeah, issue so. with this. I, I thought I this was very worked. empowering. I thought it's brilliant. I thought, I, I thought this was empowering. Mm-hmm. I thought the stand that she takes against uh, Lancaster is very powerful. And, and like we said, so uh, it's that sort of call to action that uh, I think uh, worked very well here for Diana because it's the moment where she's like, fuck this, I'm going to fight back. Fuck and you, that's pig. something that Montrose said to her earlier in the episode. He was like, you, they're coming for you. They don't, you don't know when they're coming. They're coming for you and you'd better go down swinging. And literally yep. that's what we see uh, at the end of this episode. Mm, nice. I, I thought, I, I
1: mean, I, I misread this. I thought that she was going to like befriend the demon girls. And Jesus. Have, and they all have ice cream. Then, have them come and attack
3: <laughs> Lancaster and... That would yeah, have that them then do I'm sorry. If that if that happened as a scene, like she's like, right, come over here, stop this. This other guy's a dickhead. Let's go yeah. screw him up. I would crack Our up. Our common is enemy
2: that? is the white man.
0: <laughs> look, no, he spat well, on my forehead. <laughs> I just thought <laughs> she... I
1: thought, I thought at this point she's running away from these these girls because they look terrifying. And, I mean, let's be fair, they're acting terrifyingly as well. Mm. But... Um what 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 happens when they actually catch up to her? And I thought that's what I thought she was waiting in the alleyway for them to come up to her and then and then Come like, on guys, there's the real take enemy. Over her. Yeah, and then they would all go and attack Captain Lancaster. <laughs> but Thank thank God you're not right in the show. Thank God well, it's like yes. Powerpuff
0: Girls Revenge or something.
1: Oh, love I, it. I, th- I think uh, it's I think it's a great idea. They could be like power rangers in fact, they'll combine and become uh, like s- super Super Power
0: Ranger, Jesus, Christ alive! Um, well, while we're all having a laugh, there is one scene in the show that really did make me laugh. So Montrose and Tick, I've written here, are doing their spells, um, and somehow, when he's like practicing reciting the spell, Montrose chooses that moment to tell Tick that he's dyslexic.
1: I mean, at that point, be like, right, you're off spell reading. Yeah, yeah. At that point, you're, you're not you're allowed to read. This. It's quite important. You can turn me into
0: <laughs> anything here. And then, well, I was, so I was already giggling at that and then he starts saying the spell and then at the end, he says, amen, and crosses himself, which is not funny in itself, but for some reason, that just really cracked me up and I couldn't stop laughing. It might have been hysterical laughter because I was still terrified of our two little girls. Um, but did anyone else find that really funny? Not as much as you, no. No, just <laughs> me. <laughs> no. I thought it was funny because really he's right. like, his Lol. admission that he's
2: dyslexic, it's kind of like it's like almost cover for his real admission of, of something he didn't know about, which is that he's uh homosexual. Like, I know he's; they've obviously already covered that, but it's just, that's what I kind of thought it was like a callback to.
0: Well, it's just me that found it hilarious then. Let's move along. <laughs> Who wants to talk about Will Tina hiring two blokes to beat her up, tie some barbed wire around her neck, attach her to a wheel and throw her in a river?
1: I'll just say, um, I didn't like it. Um. Personally, I I th- I thought it was unnecessary. I thought it was. I don't. Mm. I don't think. I think. I think the show made
3: a decision to not sort of show Emmett Till, mm. and which I think is good. That's a good decision. I think because because it's more it's more powerful sometimes. Like not showing those things it's something that we know about. Like that most of the audience knows about, and people who watch the show know about yeah go on guys I, I I just want to say I thought it was a good decision up to this point to do that yeah
1: well and I, and I think in, in doing that what they decided to do was focus on the the emotional impacts of it mm. rather than the, the physical nature of the of the crime and then this is a decision that sort of spits in the face of the, that decision um I, I mean I, I don't I don't know maybe there's some subtext that um that people can interpret, given that it's a, a a white woman who experiences the 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 same death in inverted commas. Um, but for me, it was just it was just really brutal and graphic and unnecessary. Um, I, I I could have done without it, and I don't really see what purpose it serves for mm. Christina as a if character. If it's trying either. to
2: show her like humanity but I think it was kind of showing what had happened obviously to this like 14 year old boy on the body of a white woman who had that it happened to her there's no way that it would have been it would have gone unpunished um and whether that's what they're just trying to show like this is what happened to him mm. here it is this is exactly what happened but this happened to a white woman who's a not going to die and b had it actually happened there's no way that the injustice that Emmett Till and his family had to endure would have happened so, but I agree that it it was pointless because is she is she is it trying to teach her empathy or is she like, I wonder what that would have been like because I actually prefer her as a character if she's just cold blooded and just doesn't care like I don't actually yeah. need her to do that to get empathy. So I I agree that it was a misstep. It was extremely brutal and hard to watch.
0: Yeah, it was very difficult to watch, and I think the problem with it is that we don't get an explanation for why she has chosen to do this, um, and that I think takes away any of the impact that might have been intended behind it. We are we're nearing the end of the episode now and we've got two storylines that we follow. Uh we've got Letty, Tick, and Ruby, and then we've got Diana and Montrose. Uh Len, which one of those should we discuss first before we discuss the other one?
3: Hmm. I think Letty and Ruby first and then we'll end with the 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 mental moments, I guess. Um yeah all the secrets are coming out in this episode. It feels like a cathartic release for a lot of our characters who are trying to just get everything off their chest. Like we literally get an info dump here for each character. It's just like, Oh yeah, I'm pregnant and da 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 da. And Oh yeah, I've turned into a white woman and have been sleeping with Will Tina. Um, it's important dialogue. And I was surprised it came this early because I felt that Ruby would have more of a purpose in terms of spying or in terms of trying to get information for Christina. But they've they've sort of discarded that book storyline a little bit. Um, so it seems that basically it's just nice to have these sisters telling the truth to each other and, and, and sort of reconciling a bit more um, after you know, last week's episode.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think um it's nice to see them back on the same page to an extent, which is kind of like you're pregnant, you take potions to be a white woman. What the <laughs> They're fuck? the same.
1: <clears throat>
0: <clears throat> but before they can um carry on that conversation, all oh, hell just lets quickly, loose.
1: Before we get to the hell letting loose bit, um I just thought it was interesting that Ruby seems disapproving of Tick. Um I, it's not something that I'd known was the thing. Um, and then she's just sort of like, is oh, it, yeah, you shouldn't have gone with this man. Is it maybe um, an
0: influence from Will Tina?
1: Well, perhaps, yeah. Um, just a, a point of note.
0: No, good one. Thanks, guys. Um, so they're called upstairs by a knock at the door. Police have turned up. Uh, the cap- Captain Ancaster says uh, they've had a tip about... Uh, Nation of Islam congregating in there to talk about revenge for Emmett Till's murder. Uh, One of the cops comes in. Lancaster can't because of the protection Mm -hmm. spell. So instead they leave and start shooting through the fucking doors and windows at everyone. Mental. Um, But The episode culminates, you know, at the end with Tick turning up. As they're firing a bullet towards him, the ground in front of him erupts with a big old monster. uh, who basically does this weird, like, giggly scream and kills all of the policemen, which is absolutely incredible. Um, Lucy, did you like the monster too? I did like
2: the monster, but I did want... It's a stupid question to ask with regards to the police in the 50s there. But he says, put your hands up. So he does, and he, he goes, waits a few mi- seconds, and shoots him. It's like, well, he's done what you said. I know that's a stupid thing to say because the police yeah. do what they want, but it's done.
0: Oh,
2: no, fair enough. Um, but yeah, the the uh, the or whatever it was, was really cool. I like that it was black because it looked like Black Panther a bit. Just sort of cool, <laughs> cool monster <laughs> going around killing the racists. It's my kind of monster. And then he stopped it and like patted uh, again, its little head, it's- like, "Good boy, come here, boy, come here, lad." Well done.
3: Yeah. Is john hugged. snow on him it's, on par- it's it's quite a powerful scene because like you said uh, Lucy it's that moment where he's been told to put his hands up and letty the realization in letty's face that he's dead like it's it's like he's done everything that he's been told and we told don't know what's do. coming that like, he's going to die
2: unexpected no,
3: but let but letty thinks this is it Le- letty thinks this is it yeah. he's dead like there's nothing the prophecy there's no is way true way getting out of this yeah. and then um And then for obviously the spell to have worked and to summon the Shogoth and uh, then for it to go on this awesome killing rampage, which I fucking loved. I've got a question because I I was only able to watch the episode once. Um, Did Lancaster dies here, right?
2: I felt like his arm got chopped
3: off. Yeah, I think so. I want
2: to find out more about his his arm black body.
3: No, we know that if you get get bitten by a Shogoth and you stay alive, we know that you turn into a Shogoth. Well, we I think he's dead because I'm one. pretty
0: sure he was the body that went flying over yeah, to good. them while they good, were like good. being. Yeah, battled. so that's, I, I think guess so. that's
3: interesting in terms of the way the show is going to go because in the book, the culmination of the show is is Caleb Braithwaite versus um, Lancaster, and sort of our supporting characters are trying to be used as pawns in this in this plan, and then they sort of they sort of subvert that and and win the day, so the fact that they've got rid of the big bad and I'm doing that in quote marks because I don't know who the big bad is in this show really um, is is interesting for the, fi- obviously, but yeah, <laughs> but for the final two episodes is um, interesting to me that they've done that. So we'll see what they go with.
0: Well, let's talk about the last bit, which I think is probably one of my favourite bits of this episode as a whole. So um, Diana has locked herself in Elle's garage to protect herself. Um, and... She's drawing pictures of the creepy girls, Topsy and Bopsy. Is that what they're called? Um, And they turn up like creepy dolls from hell. So what does Diana do? She hits them bitches around the head Mm -hmm. uh, with a massive metal pole. I was buzzing at this. And then Montrose turns up. So she seems to be holding them off. As he grabs a hold of her, the two demon girls somehow managed to start wounding her because she's not fighting them off and she's bleeding. Like, Gaz, what do you think is happening here? I mean, considering earlier we talked about Power Rangers, let's, you know,
1: Mm, carry on with that. Can I... um, We don't have, like, a theory corner here. I mean, we've got Lovecraft Lounge, but we don't have any theory corner that we, we normally have with shows. Got a theory for you. At the end, obviously, her arm is being decimated from the looks of things
0: robot Um, arm
1: earlier we were told that when tick went into the future he was given this book by a a woman in a hood with a robot arm and then pushed back through the portal
0: it's diana amazing
3: Interesting. I mean, that's interesting. I, I don't. I I like it, but I don't think it's right. I think she the is robot Power Ranger is, is is what the cat is the is the character they're calling Beyonce is who they call Beyond Beyonce from uh, Hi- Hippolyta's episode. But yeah, interesting, interesting take. I like it, but unfortunately, I think that I think it's not that clever. You're as, wrong. But, is yeah. what
2: Ellen saying, Gaz? I'm afraid you're wrong. I shit I think, on your
1: theory. I like now. it. I is think, what Len I think you're wrong, Len. It's. I, I have to admit, I didn't come up with it. I found it, but um,
2: I, I love it anyway.
0: Uh,
1: I can't remember. First, I've heard who of it so. it. so I can't credit them.
0: Yeah, I will um, credit you, Gaz. Yes.
1: Yeah, I mean, Len. Why else specifically? Uh, is it that? Is it her arm that's being
3: torn to bits, rather no, than yeah, the rest? of Yeah, it? I know. It. Yeah, I know. It's weird. I. I. I think. I think it's just an area they can hurt her in where they're not killing her if you know what i mean because she's going to be saved next week i'm pretty sure christina's going to be involved with that uh or the saving of diana yeah i don't know i don't know it's going to be interesting but um or yeah, maybe mantra- maybe yeah. it's maybe it's captain lancaster because he
1: lost his arm so maybe he's the woman in the hood mm. yeah there you go yeah the who
0: knows bookseller. um well that that is where we leave the episode um so unless anybody has anything pertinent to to uh, to throw into the group uh, then i might just throw the reins over to len for cthulhu corner bit of lovecraft lounge and listener feedback throw them
3: let's go Hello and welcome back. Yes, I'm here for Cthulhu Corner and uh, yes, all hail Cthulhu. Yes, I am here. Gareth is now just deposed from Cthulhu Corner after last week's terrible showing um, <laughs> and I'm back, you know, so don't worry about it. Okay, first up, I thought we'd talk about, uh, we've got a couple of things to discuss and mainly I want to talk in this week about the horror references in this episode because this is the most horrific episode Um, And I want to talk about some of the horror films in which uh, this storyline with Diana is pulling on. Now, we've already talked about Jordan Peele, who is actively involved in the show. And, you know, from Get Out to Us. um, And if you haven't seen Us, I do implore you to go watch it. It is an interesting horror film, which got critically very mixed reviews. But I, I, I actually really enjoyed it. And that involves the character of the tethered, and it's this sort of idea that there is an alternate version of you that is has been sort of persecuted and is evil in a way or what we construe to be evil um and that is definitely something that we're getting with these um these these what is it, topsy and bopsy is that what we're calling them is that is that what you said Gareth topsy and yeah. bopsy topsy and bopsy that's what we're getting with with topsy and bopsy. Um, another brilliant horror film, and, and this is just some recommendations from me as well. If you want to uh, go, I love horror, so if, if you know you like your horror films, go watch some of these horror films. Um, is It Follows? Now, <laughs> It Follows is a absolutely incredible horror film. I'm gonna just say the pitch to you right now, um, and I'll tell you how it relates to this story. The pitch of the film is a it's a basically a sexually transmitted disease. But instead of like it actually being a disease, if you have sex with the person who is haunted by this monster, that monster then chases you. And this monster will, it never runs. It never sort of jumps or anything. It just walks at a very steady pace. It can be anyone or anything. It can be a loved one. It can be something you're scared of. Um, It changes its appearance and it can just follow you. And when it catches up to you, it kills you, obviously. And then it goes on to the next person before you that it slept with. So the idea is to create this chain of people. Now, the way it relates to this episode is just because it was very reminiscent to me of the way these girls were just consistently moving in the same manner, you know, doing this weird dancing, twitching thing and moving towards the character, sometimes in the back of frame. And in that film, the use of framing and the use of this, uh, like sometimes there'll just be a long scene of a character talking. And in the background, you just see this, This person getting closer and closer and closer. And it's terrifying. Um, So if you want to watch a a truly harrowing horror film, I would say go watch It Follows. It's a very good one. A couple other references. Obviously, The Shining. uh, We know lots about Stephen King here. Twins, you know, terrifying. I want to talk a little bit about Nightmare on Elm Street as well, because that's a heavy influence here. The jump rope scene um, is... 100% 100% lifted from Nightmare on Elm Street, you know. One, two, there's, you know, someone's coming for you. Yeah. Three, four, there's a knock on the door. Knock on the door, going back to the song, all that sort of jazz. So
0: 6 six, you're all dead.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you haven't seen Nightmare on Elm Street, definitely go watch that. It's a hilarious horror film. Um, you know, I'm sure you guys might find it all scary because you sound very sensitive to horror things. The rest of the members of the podcast I'm talking about. But, I live uh,
0: alone. Of course I'm terrified. Yeah, it was a scary, right? a horror
3: film. At the time, it was scary. I no, guess, I'm talking we about kids, the show. So let's face it.
0: The show was scary.
3: Oh, right. Yeah, I mean, I, personally, I felt it was... Oh, a, yeah,
0: Nightmare on Elm Street hilarious. I
3: wasn't scared no. of the show, to be honest. I thought it was the most horror Len, show you're film. so brave. I wasn't brave. scared of it, but...
0: You're just... Ugh.
3: I know, I'm very brave. That's, that's what I want people to take away from this, is how brave I am. And that's it for horror references. Uh, but I wanted to talk about the book. And in the book... So difference here is obviously we're talking about Horace and now everyone knows that it's Horace because of the meta conversation that we had. Um, but in the book, Horace is chased by a devil doll, right, Emma? A um, devil doll. A tiny yeah, but sort... But it also has yeah. the
0: face of um, the guy from uh, a particular food or the paint store. advert or something, doesn't it? Like, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, And basically... It's this tiny little doll that's sort of been brought to life uh, that only she can see. And it sounds pretty terrifying, um, but it's kind of comical horror again because...
0: It's like the kid from Pet Cemetery.
3: Yeah, but even smaller. Like, we're talking like... Yeah, but it's
0: like that kind of... It's
3: like a little little doll you know the way I could describe it is I thought we were going to get this because in the fourth episode of the show when we were in the Braithwaite exhibit in the museum there were a couple of these like devil doll type figurines in the exhibit when they did that sort of Raiders of the Lost Ark episode Um, and I was like oh yeah there's the devil doll we're going to get that and I guess now it's just an easter egg for us uh, book readers but I thought it was interesting. I actually think the way they went is better in the show. I I think the doll would have been comical, like Because, you know, if anyone's seen some B-movie stuff with little devil dolls running around, it it always ends up as comical. So this is a way more horrific sort of interpretation of the book. And that's it for Cthulhu Corner this week. Um, But now, of course, we move on to listener feedback. We don't have a jingle for that. So, just make one up in your heads. But uh, welcome
1: to listener feedback. We're gonna hear from you. Knocking on your door. Feedback. Okay.
3: <laughs> Knocking on your door. Got some feedback for you. Okay. Right. Um, first up, we have an email from Cat. Cat uh, Salamons. Salamons. Cat Salamons. <laughs> that's how you say it. Uh, hi. I love the podcast, and I just wanted to email in about the latest episode. I am. So this is some some of this feedback. We'll be talking about older episodes. Uh, How does she type (laughs) with a little pause? (laughs) Good question. Uh, (laughs) And how fantastic I thought that episode was. My mouth was actually agape during the Hippolyta scenes. Hippolyta scenes, sorry. Uh, (laughs) I'm going with my interpretation of her name again. Uh, Once I ate some weed chocolate and I was lying in bed and then whoosh, I was up there in the stars and I could go anywhere and do anything. And I had a choice to do that or go back to my life. Well, because I have two awesome kids and a wife, I chose to go back. I've had bad depression throughout my life and often felt like I had no choices. So, this felt very powerful, like it was really my choice. The episode with What Happens to Hippolyta really resonated with me. It was awesome. Thanks for making a great podcast. Thanks. Cat from the Netherlands. Oh, thanks for listening. Cat from the Netherlands. And do you know what? So, lovely, I, lovely.
0: I didn't get to speak about that episode. Um, bang on. I think that there are some parts of it that you can take, definitely, to be like, I can feel empowered by this. Yes. Mm. Good for you. Also, stop eating weed chocolate. I want uh, to keep doing it because it's hilarious.
1: Sounds delicious. It sounds excellent.
3: Mm. 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 Send some in. Don't don't really. Next, (laughs) God, can you imagine? Get that through customs. (laughs) Next up, we have an email from Dan. Hello, I recently found your podcast after searching for a forum for intelligent discussion about Lovecraft Country, and I was not disappointed. Uh, So, about well, yeah, good. Don't worry. Uh, I like that each of you have. Different interpretations of the episodes. This provides me a deeper appreciation of the show than listening to a single critic's opinion. It may seem like old hat by the time you finish with Lovecraft, but I would love it if you would cover HBO's Raised by Wolves. It's another show that I find myself thinking about for days after each episode. I'm sure I'm not the first to suggest this. Regardless, you have a, a new loyal listener uh, in me, and I look forward to all your future podcasts. Sincerely, Dan.
2: Thanks, From Dan.
3: Co Co, Co- Keetum British Columbia, Canada. Garif, have Heard of Canada?
1: You've um, <laughs> you heard of Canada? <laughs> oh, I know Canada. I, yeah. Um, no. Well, obviously, you know, uh, over on on the west coast, it sounds
3: beautiful, but I, I haven't heard of the specific town. Mm, there you go. Thank you very much, uh, Dan. Next up is an email from Kristen. Love the podcast, guys. I just wanted to comment that I assumed. T- oh wait, I didn't. We didn't answer. We didn't answer that thing for Dan. Uh, yeah, Dan, I would say that I would say that uh, covering Raised by Wolves is something that we did discuss after the fact. And the thing is, we, ha- we kind of have to plan these things in, I'd say, months in advance. We decided we were covering Lovecraft Country probably January, something like that. Um, and we- I have to say Raised by Wolves is a fantastic show. And unfortunately, we just don't have time to cover it at the moment um but you know there's no saying that if there's a season two then you know we could get involved in that so watch this space next up we have an email from Kristen. love the podcast guys i just wanted to comment that i assumed tick was in mayfield missouri which is less than a two-hour drive from st louis and also along a bus route or it is now anyway <laughs> Uh there are so so many Mayfields in the US, so this was understandably confusing uh confusing. Uh so Gareth, what do you think about that? You so you slag uh, no, it off last week. Unfortunately. No,
1: unfortunately it said that it was Mayfield, Kansas. Oh god, so specifically. So
3: Kristen, arguing and it did have now. the
0: coordinates.
3: Gareth, Gareth. And the coordinates <laughs> and the coordinates are on Gareth the Gareth is yeah. arguing He's, with the listeners. This is this is not this is not good. This, this, I this means war. No argument. I'm just,
0: Gareth's just right.
3: I've war. said it
1: before, I'll say it again. If we lose our geography, we, we lose everything.
3: <laughs> Fair enough.
0: I'm with you, guys. I'm with you.
3: Next up we have an email from William Boggs. Hello, fan critical. Uh first though, I certainly uh enjoy Emma and Lucy's perspective. I want to say Len and Gaz have done a great job carrying the torch in their absence. So oh, Gaz... You my know, perspective. We did a good job.
2: You sure you mean me? Okay, fair. Thanks.
3: <laughs> hey, he knows what he's talking about, all right? Yeah. Cheers, William. I really enjoyed the podcast on episode seven. Uh, while watching the show, I was really worried that there would be a strong dislike of the episode, but was pleasantly surprised at the positive feedback it has received. I too, like you, cringed when thinking about what John would have said had he watched this you episode. make
0: listeners do that now. Stop thinking about it's John's It's because Len always goes,
2: oh, I was watching it thinking about what Len, what, um John would think. It's you. <laughs> <laughs> you keep his spirit alive by up all the time. But yeah.
3: Here are a couple of observations I made during the episode. I was very pleased with Hippolyta's journey as the writers let her explore all the things she has had to suppress as a female black intellect on Earth. I was especially drawn to the scene post-conversation with George, which seemed to me to indicate how far she could have gone into space had she been free to capitalise on her desires and intelligence. I do wonder what the implications of the comic page that she left behind with the murdered police officer will be. They don't seem to make many obvious call-outs without revisiting them. So, yeah, obviously, just to stop the email there, we saw that this week. They know it was uh, Diana. Uh, That's why they put the horrible spell on her. Yeah, she signed her work. Mm. Idiot. Yeah, idiot. Uh, I am also (laughs) anxiously awaiting the backstory (laughs) behind the copy of Lovecraft Country that Tick returned with. Where did he go? Is it the same novel that exists in the real world, etc.? I'm also... Also, am I the only one who thought that it was the book of names before they revealed what book it actually was? Can't wait for Can next podcast. Can you
0: imagine if the um, book turned out to be written by Matt Ruff and Matt Ruff uh, was um, yeah. his son? Mind blowing! Yeah. Oh, my is, son in the future is a man called Matt yeah. Ruff.
3: So we got the answer to that this episode. Uh, to a mixed response from the team here, um, I, don't, I think overall we weren't happy with the over-meta message that they were going with uh but thanks for your email will um thanks for your support next up we have an email from sharice hello you should all listen to the hbo companion podcast um we've had this uh we have we do listen to stop stop the email there we do listen to that um
2: i'm just gonna stop you i started
3: so much when i tried to say why why do we keep (laughs) advertising this podcast (laughs) (laughs) free advertisement for the hbo companion podcast no because it is sure they don't need it sharice goes on to say uh one of the show's writers is a part of Uh, is a part of it in fact she wrote the actual episode i am she states that hippolyta does not decide to return to earth she decides to stay in the other world i can understand why you think she decided to come back as it really wasn't clear in the show i thought she was stuck because Tick took the key and turned the machine off imagine that Ah, if you just turned the machine Hmm. off there
0: i Um, i kind of um, like leaving the magic of um, making your own decisions about that whether she what she decided to do if i'm honest just defy
3: yeah the other thing is i i listened to that episode because obviously i do listen to the companion podcast and uh i thought they said she did choose to return home so i i'm a bit confused i will say obviously yes the writers are involved in the hbo um companion podcast and that's fantastic but as we've said before it's very rare they ever analyze their own work in a way that is how it's being interpreted by the people who are watching it like it's one thing writing the text and it's another thing uh having the opinion of people who who critique it and decipher it once that piece of art has left the page or the screen and has been viewed by someone it becomes uh the people's and they're free to interpret it the way they want and that's what we try and do here we try and critically
0: uh, critical. examine
3: uh the show here fan critical um so yeah obviously please people do check out the official companion podcast has obviously great insight but uh, if you want uh, an honest critique of the show, stick with us. Yeah. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Um Yes. Okay. Next up, we have an email from John, John Foster Bay, who has written into us before um, and has given us uh, some of his personal opinions on uh, the way that race is shown in the show, etc. And I think... Uh, This is an interesting email as well. Hi, guys. I'm listening to your current podcast on the I Am episode. I want to start with what I believe is an historical fallacy about Dahomey. So this is obviously in relation, Gareth, we were talking last week about the the Dahomey tribe who were featured in... The I Am episode is where Hippolyta goes. Uh, Dahomey was an African empire that gained wealth, power and prominence from the slave trade. Ironically, it was Europeans, the British, who weakened the empire by intervening to stop the Dahomey slave trade. I find it fascinating uh, that this show would romanticise a slave trading empire because they happen to be black. Um, This is the racist cultural nationalism that excuses all manner of crime. Because of, the, per- because of because the perpetrators are black. For instance, if monarchy and absolute rule of kings was bad in Europe, why was it good in Africa? Unlike many, while I enjoyed the superhero action in Black Panther, I was not a fan of Wakanda itself, an undemocratic, pseudo religious monarchy. This underscores for me one of the great weaknesses we suffer from. We don't know history and prefer, prefer to impose romantic narratives that are aimed at bolstering some current ideological or political agenda. We lack the knowledge and discipline to understand historical events within their own context. Another example is the assessment of Montrose's homosexuality and Atticus's response. I think it should be understood less in terms of race or current attitudes about homosexuality, but contextualised in terms of prevalent attitudes in the 1950s. Indeed, our current perspectives on homosexuality are at best 20 years old. Atticus's slur said less about him and more about the attitudes of time. And I think you got this right. Atticus was reflecting that his father's brutality was being driven not by concern for him, but, b- but by Montrose's inner demons. Mm. Thoughts mm. team. Yeah, really I mean, look, the thing is, um, we're, we're, yeah, we pick up on these uh, references that the show is obviously trying to, trying to give us like the Dahomey tribe and we referenced Black Panther last week and how that was also an inspiration for for a lot of the um, stuff in Wakanda there. Uh, I, I thought it was an interesting email because yeah, I just didn't, didn't know some of that information. No I didn't and um, I think it's a good point to raise like is that sit, sometimes yeah. we look
0: at things and go oh yeah it's awesome because somebody um, of a minority or a marginalized peoples or gender or whatever it might be has done it and actually good point like war and slave trade is not good so yeah i think it's it's an interesting way to raise it it's not exclusive to white no and it's not necessarily empowering um Although, you know, the scenes were very empowering last episode. So really interesting. I, I really like hearing from John. I think he's got some fantastic perspectives and he raises some really pertinent issues that probably haven't come to the forefront of my mind um, in, the, in the short time between watching an episode and recording a podcast.
1: I think it's interesting that, you know, history history doesn't change, but um, our reading of it very much does. And uh, the way that we see certain events changes all the time and the what what the emphasis uh is placed upon changes all the time as well and yeah it could well be that um you know this the the Dahomey tribe and the uh, or Dahomey as a as a as a region and what later became Benin at, at the moment I guess the focus from last week's episode was on the French colonization of the area and these were these were people fighting for their their independence and the yep. right to to rule themselves um but but yeah there is there's there's more of a history there that's just jumping in at one point and so you lose you lose all the context that came before that which i think is what john's sort of pointing out but um you know the, it's impossible it's impossible really to look at any historical event and consider every other bit of history that came before it because mm. That, that, that's just that's an virtually infinite amount of time that that you can't you can't put that context into a mm. snapshot of history and it's all it's, it's all, all
2: cause and effect isn't it so how far back do you go
1: exactly exactly
3: thank you very much for email john uh always as we said a great perspective one that we didn't have next up we have an email from tanisha uh hi all i've been a listener since watchman and have been a fan ever since uh, if you haven't listened to our watchman coverage please do go do that and if you haven't seen watchman hbo's watchman go do it right now it's a fantastic show that's that's len talking not tanisha uh, <laughs> i'm sure she echoes my thoughts um because you sounded just yeah. like her yeah back to the email i i absolutely enjoy uh, when HBO does a series around books unfortunately for Watchmen and now lovecraft country these are books that i've not read that being said you guys have been an awesome companion pod to listen to i've never had the chance to write in uh, as you produce your podcast faster than i can usually process my thoughts on an episode but i wanted to take a moment to tell you that i think you do great work John included. See, John still lives on. Spirit of John. Um, I also wanted to add uh, that I'm an African-American woman living in Atlanta, Georgia, by the way of Los Angeles, California. I'm not a product of the generation highlighted on the series but many of the stories and details mentioned i am well familiar with it wasn't taught in school but my parents relatives and other elders made sure we were aware of these stories lastly i know it's been mentioned many times but i think you do a great job of approaching the subjects of race and class in the u.s i simply wanted to reiterate reiterate it again thank you for all your hard work it's very much appreciated apologies if this was too long and it was all over the place as i really wanted to get this out before you put out your podcast Thanks.
0: Love that Tanisha. Thank
3: you. No, thank you Tanisha. That's a lovely thank email. You. Uh, no, thank you. Thank yeah. You. We try. No. Yeah. Uh, I hope we we're, we're trying. We're definitely trying. It's uh, I think this sh- this show as we discussed uh has involved a lot more uh reading on our parts, especially and a lot more deep diving and um there's nothing wrong with that. That's good. It's a show that as we said before, challenges you, makes you want to learn about the world, learn about historical events, try and put those into the context context of events that are happening now etc and i think uh i think that i think that we're trying our best (laughs) basically and we're doing as best as we can um but we want to thank everyone who who is stuck with us throughout this season and uh yeah with two more episodes to go so i'm sure there's lots more deep diving to be done and that's it for listener feedback back to emma in the studio amazing
0: thank you to everyone that's written in and thank you len for bringing that all into a lovely listener feedback through Lou corner montage um that's it from us today for episode eight but we will be back next week for episode nine the penultimate episode of the season uh, entitled rewind 1921 and i'm going to leave you with that as i say thank you to gareth thank you len cheers and the lovely lucy I've been Emma, your host. Ah, oh, thank I you. I will see you next week. Bye.
3: Bye. See ya. Goodbye.